On this episode, I discuss a cross-country killing, I report on a man overboard, I provide any updates on the Idaho massacre, and I cover a whole bunch of other stuff, including getting back to the gun range. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for November 28th, 2022. Hello, everyone. I hope everybody is uh, doing well. This is the Unfound Live show for November 28th, 2022. It was an absolutely beautiful day here in Clearwater Beach, Florida. Although I wouldn't say it was necessarily windy, but if you were out there on uh, your bike like I was today, uh, then uh, going south was pretty easy, but coming back, going north was a little more difficult. So the wind was coming in kind of from the northwest, kind of, and so it was a little cooler today. It was still beautiful out, but of course, this time of year when you get that weather or the wind coming from uh, the north, you know, it's going to be a little chillier, whereas the wind's coming from the south, then those are the hot days here in the uh in the fall and winter. Maybe you can see back there, right there, that is my sole Christmas decoration. It is a ceramic Christmas tree with those little lights, you know, the little things you can put in little holes. And that is pretty much an heirloom in my family. Uh, God knows why I was. It was given to me, uh, given that um, I move so much and break things and everything else. But that tree has to be o- way older than I am, like way, way, way older than I am, and I'm 52. But uh, that comes from my dad's side of the family, and uh, I love it, and it's the only. Christmas decoration that I will have this year. And as I just posted on Facebook about a half hour ago while posting a picture of that tree, that um, Jesus and Santa are going to have to put me on their payroll for me to do anything more than that. So if you're wondering, hey, if things look different uh, for the live show this week and last week, it's because of that right back there. And that is my ceramic Christmas tree. So let's see who is uh, all in here, and uh, then I can get into some of the stuff for tonight's live show. I have a lot to talk about. The real what's going on, thank you for the email exchange uh, yesterday and today. Hello, Karen and Valerie, everything. What's going on, everything? Shauna from near Toronto, I or Toronto. Know the area well. Of course, we covered a disappearance from that area not too long ago, Shauna. I'm sure you're aware of the six young men who went uh, missing from Pickering. 
Hello, Mark and Indy. It's almost like one of these uh, call-in shows. Yeah, this is Ed from Clearwater Beach, and now it's Mark from Indy. And uh, Nephew Charles, what's going on? Thank you for joining. Jasmine, Paula, what's going on? And Mark says, on Thanksgiving weekend, I find myself thankful I didn't spend my money to actually go to the football game I'm watching on TV. So that must be uh, my Steelers and your Colts. I did have it on muted for right before I started the show. I guess the Steelers uh, were up 6 nothing. Uh, neither team looks to be very good, Mark. Twinkle, what's going on? Valerie, Suzanne. And uh, Twinkle says, we have a tree like that in our family, a ceramic tree a lot. I, I've just begun to realize, Twinkle, that a lot of people have trees like this. Uh, my grandmother, my dad's uh, mother, uh, made that tree. Uh, Lisa also has a little tree. Kathy, hello, everyone. Just got home from surgery. Oh, my, Kathy. Well, thanks for tuning in. Deborah, Mona, what's going on? And uh, with the little, I don't know what this means. Maybe you want to tell me what this means, Mono, with the peeking through your hand like that. But um, good to see all of you. And before I get started, of course, if you are new to this live show or new to this channel, hit the subscribe button down there in the bottom right-hand corner. I think we're going to make it to 15,000 subscribers before the end of the year, which would be cool. Please like this live show. You know you're going to like it. Just give it the thumbs up right now. We were a little slow on the uptake last week. So if you could, please hit the thumbs up button. Helps us with the algorithms. And if you'd like to go a step further, maybe you want to join this channel and get some uh, cool stuff for $3 a month. And coffee, hey, coffee, people need to lean to listen to Ed's analysis so he doesn't stop doing them. We're not really going to get into I appreciate that coffee, but we're not really going to get into that uh, too much tonight. That's going to be something I'm going to have to uh, figure out on my own. This is uh, probably not the time and place, but I appreciate coffee. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Um, so what else? Uh, of course... Maybe we just need to get this out of the way right now, given that it's November 28th. Um, maybe some of you are real, already realized this. Maybe many of you don't. But today is the four-year anniversary of my mother's death. Um, she died on November 28th, 2018. It was a Wednesday. And she died at approximately, I think, about 9.45 p.m. Eastern time. So we'll be passing that in about 40 minutes. And uh, it's amazing how fast the time has flown. It seems just like yesterday um, that I was calling her and talking to her about whatever was going on with her telling uh, her telling me about how much my dad was bothering her or whatever. And it just, it just doesn't seem possible. You know, four years just go by that fast. Uh, of course, those last, you know, the last, pretty much the last 10 days of her life, she was not able to communicate uh, in any way. But I, as I think I've told, uh, as I've said on this live show before, that um, the last conversation that was 
uh, substantial that I had with my mother was actually about unfound. That's, that's what the topic was. And so she was a big fan of uh, what I was doing. She believed that, um, you know, giving of myself to the guests. And of course, since my mother died four years ago, we now have almost 15,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. Uh, of course, uh, now hooked up with Spotify and those numbers have been great. And maybe some things that could not have even been predicted back in 2018 uh, when I was talking to my mother about Unfound. But so that was the last and pretty much after that is when they you know, had to put her on all the machines and it all went downhill from there. So four years ago, and it was so, it was such a weird, um, of course, horrible. But it was also very strange in that uh, I was sitting there uh, in her room at the Butler Hospital, um, just me and her. And for some reason, I left the TV on, and it was... Um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So here we are. You know, I know that she's probably not going to make it through the night. And here this, um, you know, it's a very funny movie, which I'm a big fan of that movie. Even I'm a, I'm even a bigger fan of the movie now than I was then. Um, but every time I see that movie and I love it, it does remind me of that night. And But I had it on mute, but you could still even watch the movie and know it's pretty funny. But there that's going on in the TV. And then, you know, I know that, you know, things are, are, are going, you know, going downhill very quickly. So four years, um, I did talk to my dad just a little bit ago. He t- called me, but the topic uh, didn't even come up. And so I, I don't, I, I have to admit, I don't know if he realizes today is the day or not. And I am certainly not going to uh, bring it up. So yeah, November 28th, 2018, um, at approximately 9.45 p.m., the way at least the way I remember it. And my mother's birthday actually was October 25th, 1940. So she is missed. And I appreciate everybody uh, in the um, comments. Thank you. I appreciate that. Deborah says, I lost my mom too in March of this year. Thank you, The Real. Um, thank you, Twinkle. Yeah. Um, Sarah saw it yesterday in the movies. Yeah. I have a uh, national uh, Christmas vacation DVR. I can watch it at any time. In fact, I've had a DVR since I think last Christmas or no, couldn't have been, must've been on sometime like this past summer. Once I got the new DVR machines and, uh, they must've played it like during the summer and I DVR'd it. And so I, I, I can watch it anytime I want. Hello, Cherie. Thank you for moderating tonight. And um, thank you, Puma, for those words. Thank you. So that's what today is. I think this is the first uh, live show that I've done uh, that just happens to be on the same date uh, that is when she died. So um, time just goes so fast. And... Uh, I even have to admit that once in a while, I even kind of forget that she's not here anymore. Uh, I will admit that. 
So moving on, uh, no disc golf to, th- uh, to speak of. Um, kind of just chilling out from that for a while. Was supposed to even play on a disc golf tournament this coming weekend, but I've withdrawn. Uh, other things to do uh, this coming weekend. So just have not um, been doing anything with that. Been going to the gym. I rode my bike today, had a nice drive, went south, went back into like the little neighborhoods. Man, there's some really nice houses back in there. Wow. Some crazy, crazy, crazy uh, nice houses like off Gulf Boulevard going east and um, some very nice neighborhoods back in there. And so it's just cool to just ride around and look at the, the cool houses. And, of course, a lot of the people have started to put up their Christmas decorations and everything. And I'm sure some of their Christmas decorations are pretty cool at night. I should probably make it a point to drive down there and um, maybe once we get closer to Christmas and see how some of these uh, houses are really decorated. I bet they're pretty nice. But uh, Thanksgiving was good. Uh, I spent it the time. I went over to my friend Sarah's. She cooked. I brought the pies, although um, she's not much of a pie person, I found out. (laughs) which is fine. And she had a coworker of hers. His name was Joe. So the three of us kind of just, she cooked. It was good. Her dog Riley was there. They mostly did the talking, uh, talking about the work that they do. And I, as they were talking, I'm constantly reminded how glad I am that I don't um, work in kind of like a corporate atmosphere or a cubicle atmosphere, or anything like that, then just the way they were, you know, the discussion. It really did remind me of the uh, movie Office Space. I'm a big fan of that movie. But it was interesting to see how the re- most of you uh, live with your jobs. I, I realized that what I do here is, of course, a, a very, very unique occupation, even though it doesn't pay that great. It is still work. But um, sometimes I forget how everybody else does their work because I'm just so, of course, caught up in what I do. But uh, we had a great time. I had a good time. It was a nice, chill time. And uh, it was good. And uh, her dog, Riley, loves me. And although I don't have any patience for taking care of dogs... I love playing with them and my allergies didn't get set off, which were nice. So it was just a good day. Uh, a very good day. And Paula says, I have a dog named Riley. What does it happen to be a beagle Paula? Cause that's what Sarah's dog is. Sarah's dog is a beagle. Very friendly. Um, loves the jump. I mean, I sit down on the couch, just love, love to jump all over me and, lick my face and and all that stuff, which I don't mind at all, even though I'd never want to uh, be responsible for a dog, care for a dog or a cat or anything else. So Thanksgiving was good. I hope everybody uh, out there, I hope the cooking of the turkey went well. I'm wondering if any of you deep fried a turkey. Uh, Sarah and I got uh, talking about that. And I have had deep fried turkey for Thanksgiving before, twice when I lived in Las Vegas. You just have to be very uh, careful because you put it in the the cold turkey and the hot oil and who knows, you could start a fire real fast. So 
it's best to do it outside away from your house. And um, deep, um, deep frying turkey is really, really good. Although that's not what we did. I, I did mention, you know, maybe I have to try that next year because, of course, I do cook wings, which is essentially the same thing. So I have like a, maybe a year to prepare. So, of course, I would not do it in my condo. I'd have to like figure something out. But um, I think I'd like to try that. Being that I now cook the wings with the hot oil and follow that recipe, and it seems to go perfect every time, perfectly every time, maybe next year. But we had a good time. I hope everybody out there had a nice time. And uh, Ferry says, I have a dog named Riley. So now we have two Rileys in the audience. Wow. Paula says, no, Dachshund, Jack Russell mix. That is spectacular. Two of my favorite types of dogs, Paula. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Shri says, you, oh, Shri, you, you deep fried a turkey. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you have any pictures of, of doing that, Shri? Or, um, well, that's really cool. Very says, uh, Riley, her Riley is a rough collie. The real says deep frying a turkey. Never heard of that. Yeah, it's an American thing. The real, <laughs> of course it is deep frying. Imagine that. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's been a thing for quite a while, but if you do try to do it, the real down there in Australia, do not do it inside your house. Make sure you do it outside because if you do it inside, you may very well just, uh, burn your house down. Charles says we smoked a turkey. Pretty amazing. Smoked turkey is also good. Uh, several years ago when I first moved here to Florida, my brother and I went to my friend Trevor's house for Thanksgiving and he smoked a turkey and it was spectacular. Thank you for that, Charles. Uh, never had it. Was a good, uh, Sheree says it's so good. The real like fried chicken, but turkey, that's true. Uh, Sheree is correct. I, I back what Sheree is saying up there. The, the couple times, uh, that I had it in Las Vegas, uh, it's a great choice. Uh, of course, it takes some preparation. Like I said, it can be a little dangerous, but if it goes well, you may never eat turkey any other way again. Um, the real says, it's okay, no Australian would try to deep fry turkey inside the house. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because those Australians are so uh, sane down there, the real. I, was, I, was, I know you Australians. Fairy magic. Uh, okay. He's talking about dogs. All right. So Thanksgiving uh, was really good. I was going to go over to my um, brothers like I usually do, but um, just kind of wanted to do something different this year. And I'm glad I did. Um, Sarah, Joe, and I had a fine time. Like I said, I brought the pies and I ended up eating most of the, the pumpkin pie and it was just like from Publix, but it was still good. I got the whipped cream, which was fantastic. So there you go. Uh, what else is going on? Hello, Julie. What's going on with you with this with the emoji? Of course, we have a big soccer game. I've had soccer on since last Monday. Uh, getting work done and at least watching the 11 a.m. and the 2 p.m. Eastern time games every day. I've been really into it. Watching all these teams, been some upsets. USA, though, has a big game uh, tomorrow against Iran, not Iran, Iran tomorrow. 
and of all countries. And USA has to win. If they want to keep moving on in the tournament, they're going to have to beat Iran. It doesn't matter if they've been by one or 10. They just have to win. So you can be assured that I will be tuned in to that. That is at 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. I think it's on uh, the regular. It's not on FS1. I think it's just on the regular Fox channel. So I'll be glued to that. But in conjunction with that, um, and Charlie, maybe you uh, maybe you knew this or not. Maybe you probably didn't. But uh, my nephew John and his wife are coming into town uh, tomorrow. Now, of course, they were just here. Of course, they got married right there around uh, the time Hurricane Ian came through. And then they went back to, they live in Vancouver, Washington. But now they're getting here tomorrow. And my brother just told me this yesterday. So uh, maybe I'll be getting together with them. Maybe they'll be coming down. I talked to my brother, Brian. Maybe they'll be coming down here. Because my brother hasn't really been down to my place in a while. And John and his wife have never seen my place. So maybe we'll make that happen tomorrow. But I'd ask uh, Brian, my brother, if he wanted to get together to watch uh, the soccer. Because he's kind of a a little bit of a soccer fan uh, more than I am. Because you have to remember, if you don't know this, the owner, uh, the owner, the family that owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the football team, also owns the Manchester United soccer team in England. So that I think that has caused a lot of people who follow Tampa sports, follow Tampa sports to then take an interest in what Man U's doing over there. And I think that's kind of how it's gone for my brother Brian. So we'll see uh, if uh, we're going to get together tomorrow or not. One way or another, I'm watching uh, that soccer game, or they call them matches. Look at me, uh, the dumb American. But that's a big deal. It'll be good to see John and his wife again. Um, kind of surprised <laughs> that they're coming back to Florida again so soon. Um, but maybe they're coming down here. They, I don't know. Are they? I don't think they kind of went on a honeymoon when they got married back in late September, early October. So maybe that's why they're coming down here. They're going to hang out for dues, maybe go on a cruise. I don't know. So, um, and I don't even know how long they'll be staying. So we'll just have to see. But it'll be good uh, to see them. And of course, my brother always hopes, and I hope too, that they would move here because. Uh, his wife's family actually is from here. They live over on the um, Atlantic coast of Florida, and that's why John and Gabrielle got married here is because Brian's here and her family's here. Of course, Brian uh, John's mother lives in Arizona, so she had to come fly in. Uh, her name is Sandy, had to fly in for the wedding. I hadn't seen her in years back when the wedding happened. So we're always hopeful, Brian and I, that John and Gabriel Gabrielle will um, move to Florida instead of being stuck way up there in the Northwest. Maybe it'll happen. And uh, Valerie asked me, Ed, did you hear about the Casey Anthony interview? I think it comes out tomorrow. I did not. I have to admit, Valerie, that was not something that I really followed. Um, 
you know, when it, when it was going on, whatever year that was, even though that is a Florida uh, case and, and all of that wasn't something that I really got into at the time, but no, I did not know that um, she did. I, it seems to me, I guess I, maybe I have noticed that she's been in the news a little bit more than you'd, you'd expect. So no, I didn't know about that. Julie, everyone pronounces tournament. Okay. But okay. But me, yeah, I say, that's funny. You, it's so weird you bring that up, Julie, because I am a stickler for that. I say tournament, but it's very common in the United States for people to say tournament. So it's T-U-R-N-A instead of T-O-U-R-N-A. It's like a local dialect type of thing uh, that I don't quite get. I say tournament. I've always said tournament. I would admit maybe that my pronunciation of some other words has changed going from Pennsylvania to Las Vegas to Florida. I've certainly lost some of my Western Pennsylvania accent, although I can still hear it in the podcast once in a while. But it's always been tournament to, to me. And along those lines, when I worked at 7-Eleven, when I was just starting there and I was taking their classes – the guy uh, who taught those classes, like the accounting part of it, instead of saying program, he would say program. Drove me nuts. It's P-R-O-G-R-A-M, not U-M. He would say program. And I say program. You've heard me use say that word many, many times. So it's so, it's so weird. But it's um, – thank you for bringing that up, Julie. <laughs> Uh, Charles says, nice. Brian will be thrilled to see him. I, I think he will be. You're right, Charles. Everything. How's your dad doing it? He's driving all right. My dad is fantastic. And in fact, as I've told some people um, who are close to me that, you know, this year started off on a very, very bad foot with him losing his license. Whereas I, I will tell you that really like the last six months, it's been, um, it's been, uh, it's, you know, very, very good. It uh, kind of turned the year around. My dad's been in fantastic mood for the most part. And uh, like I said, he called me a little bit ago before the show started tonight. And he was making a joke about something just for a couple minutes. And he is actually, now that you're asking me about that, everything, my dad turns 86 on on Thursday. So yes, my mother died three days before his birthday back in 2018. But yeah, he turns 86 on Thursday. It's crazy. And uh, there are no signs that he's uh, slowing down. He may outlive me for all I know. But he's doing fantastic. Puma says Casey Anthony should not be getting any attention whatsoever. Uh, uh, Shree says, I ignore Puma. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh. Ferry says, uh, Pittsburghese. There is certainly a Pittsburghese. I, I don't know how many people realize that in the United States. Everybody knows about Southern accent, New York's accent, Boston accent, Midwestern accent. Oh, you know, don't you know, uh, type of thing. But there is a specific accent for Western Pennsylvania. 
And I would say it's it's kind of the average between a New York accent and a Chicago accent. It's like halfway in between. And that, I guess that makes sense given that Pittsburgh is halfway between New York City and Chicago. But that's, that's really the way it is. They use some words that you won't hear anywhere else, and they will make some pronunciations of words that you will not hear anywhere else. I've always admired that you say tournament correctly. Well, thank you, Lisa. I try to, I try to pronounce words correctly. Um, thank you. Shauna says, hi, so happy news for some victims' families in Toronto. In 1983, two women killed in three-month span. Guy arrested today, 61, due to DNA. Wow. Didn't know about that, Shauna. Thank you for letting uh, us know. Wow. Twinkle says, your dad is doing so well for 86. He certainly is. Like I said, he's going to be, you just watch. He's going to live to be like 150. Um, Charles says, sounds a bit like Baltimore. I, you know, uh, Charles, I don't, um, you know, I haven't been to Baltimore enough to really, to really know, but I know you've been there. So, uh, Sheree says, I love Boston accents. Oh my goodness. Just when I thought I knew you, Sheree. Deborah says, Arizona doesn't have an accent. No, it doesn't. I've been there, Deborah. It's very, uh, Arizona is very California when it comes to that. Very, very neutral, probably because, most of the people who live there have moved there from somewhere else. But anyway, um, other than that, what else has been going on with me? Um, I've gone to the gun range three times in the last uh, – three times in like the last five weeks. I have this membership over this place called the Wyoming Antelope Club. And it's a yearly membership and I let it expire earlier this year because I just didn't get over there enough. Just caught up in stuff, too much stuff to do. But then a couple months ago, I said, you know, I got to go. I'm a big believer. If you're going to own guns, then you have to practice with them. You just can't own one and then just say, well, I know what I'm doing. So I got the membership re-upped a couple months ago and it's an outdoor range, which is perfect here for Florida. And so I've gone there three uh, times in the last two weeks. And in fact, I was just there on uh, yesterday morning with my friend Carla. She wanted to go shoot. I brought her to the range. So we did a little shooting uh, yesterday morning. And some of you who I know are friends with me on Facebook, or if you follow unfound on um, Instagram, uh, know that I posted a short video of me shooting that was actually my Glock 43 uh, that I was shooting in that video that is a uh, kind of like the smallest uh, Glock that they make it's not it's nine millimeter it's a single stack uh, nine millimeter uh, gun and I have multiple magazines for it some hold six rounds. And then some of the other mag- magazines hold eight rounds. And that gun really used to um, give me fits at the gun range, but not anymore. And, and in fact, even when I watched that video after Carla was done filming me, when I got to watch it, I was like, wow, I pr- have pretty good technique there. And it felt really good. And I've just been shooting really, really well. So that gun, if you've seen the video, that is my Glock 43 that I'm shooting in that. Uh, And that gun 
does not go with me everywhere. Um, that's the gun I usually take with me when I go out on the disc golf course because it's lighter, it's smaller. And most of the time when I'm going out to play disc golf, except for tournaments, I'm usually by myself. So that is the gun that is usually with me out on the disc golf course. Whereas my everyday carry gun that goes with me everywhere is my Glock 19, which is a larger gun. It holds more rounds. And that's the first gun I ever had. I got that. I got that as a Christmas gift from my parents, uh, late 2015, early 2016. And that is the gun that, I just care. I, that, that is the gun that goes with me everywhere. If I'm going out somewhere, that's the gun I'm going to have with me. Whether it's going to coffee shop, to Publix, to trivia, just over here to the convenience store, or going on a trip, like going down for any of these speaking engagements, although I do not take the gun into the school because that's not allowed. Um, but that's the gun that usually goes with me on all the trips and everything else. I'm a big Glock fan and uh, I've, I've learned to shoot them very well. Uh, I just, I would recommend a Glock to anybody who's thinking about getting a gun for the first time. And in fact, my sister-in-law, Laureen, my brother, Brian's wife, she got a gun a couple years ago and she got a Glock 43, just like mine. And she loves it. So there you go. Uh, Ferry says it's a version of Yiddish. Oh, Pittsburghese is a version of Yiddish. You know, it's funny you say that, Ferry, because um, Pittsburgh does have a very large Jewish population. I don't know if anybody would really guess that, but I've even read where, you know, we usually maybe think when we think of the Jewish population in the United States, you know, highest percent would be like in New York City. I read somewhere where Pittsburgh actually has a higher percentage of Jewish people than New York City does. Which I'm not sure I knew that when I lived in that general area. So you may be right about that. Maybe that's not as outlandish as it maybe at first seems, Ferry. Uh, Shauna says, I work in long-term care. Your dad is doing amazing for 86. Good for him. He is. Uh, it certainly helps Shauna that he's a he's a hypochondriac. That certainly helped him his whole life. And uh, Shauna, guns are great protection as long as you're mentally stable. Well, yep, yeah. yeah um, that's true, Shauna. I don't know what we can do about that in the current climate, though. Puma, Ed, you shouldn't be telling all your secrets. Those aren't secrets. I, I want people to know that. You know, I, I think uh, I don't mind. People knowing that. Shauna says, we can't hear in Canada. I, I know about your laws up there, Shauna. That is true. But uh, in fact, I have both of my guns that are right, actually sitting on the table right here because I came back from the range and was kind of going through some things and sorting everything back out. Because going to the range, I have these magazines and I want to put the right ammo in them for practice. And so then I bring it back and I set it on this table over here and I organize all of it. And then I put my gun bag back there and so both guns are actually sitting right here uh, on the table so that's everything that's going on with me um uh no guns for me then okay deborah let's move on now to the true crime part of the show and that's where we will stay 
for the rest of the night for the next hour and 25 minutes. First, uh, as you know, I always start with the poll from the previous episode, which was the disappearance of Jace Martin. His younger sister, Victoria, was the guest. I thought she did a fantastic job and uh, on both audio and video. And the poll was very simple. Do you, do you believe that Joshua Cook, who, of course, sent this text to his father before Joshua died, whether you believe that Joshua was murdered or, or shot himself, he stated that, uh, that Jace had gotten tied up and thrown in the swamp, and, Jay, and that Joshua was there to see it, to take part, up for your interpretation. Uh, in the discussion group, I just simply asked, is, was this the truth? Did Josh actually have something to do with Jace's disappearance? Um, a large majority of you in the discussion, groups, discussion group said yes. Joshua Cook did have something to do with Jace's disappearance. In the think tank, which, uh, how do you get into the think tank? Well, you have to be a subscriber at uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. A little bit mixed. Uh, a couple people certainly, uh, I think, are continuing to take a long look at the text that Joshua sent. Certainly doesn't seem to make any sense, but did he know what he was doing when he said it? Maybe there's something to it. So it was not a total, total consensus, but I would say the majority believed that Josh was not telling the truth and that Jace caused his own disappearance. So once again, like the week before with Jamie Valdez, they um, it was uh, opposite decisions. Uh, the discussion group went way in one direction and the think tank went in the opposite direction. The discussion group deciding, yes, there was foul play, the think tank th- saying, nope, probably not foul play. Or like, but like I said, we had like seven or eight people in there uh, last night. And I think maybe two of them still have some question marks. It's not so clear cut to them that uh, Jace caused his own disappearance. For me, for the blog that I write at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, if you'd like to read it. I decided that there was no foul play. I think that Jace um, was responsible for his own disappearance. And if you'd like to read that, how I came to that reasoning, once again, you can do that at patreon.com. Just have to think that very much like Jamie Valdez, is two, these are two disappearances that were very similar. This was not planned. It's just how it worked out. I did not plan to put these two disappearances, kind of similar guys, right next. Um, uh, are that wasn't planned, but both guys had addiction issues, had some mental health issues, had some jaw, you know, money or job things going on. Um, both in kind of new relationships that seemed to go poor right before these these men went missing. Although Jamie was a lot older than, um, than Jace, maybe that's uh, one of the big differences. And it doesn't seem that Jace had the physical issues that Jamie did. But in both of those, the way I look at those two guys is these two, these two guys were 
you know, fit the, the perfect profile of men who would cause their own disappearances with everything that they had going on. So when I start thinking about that, thinking, well, they have all these bad things going on. And then on top of all of that, they get murdered. It just seems, as I've said many times in the last six years, it just kind of stretches my imagination. But I urge you, if you want to support Unfound, in a very easy way, patreon.com, go over there, find the Unfound podcast, and become a member. Moving on, um, let's see what uh, Coffee says. Think tankers have followed you for a while and are are in your head. You know, I don't know about that, Coffee. I mean, it does seem that uh, I agree with them or they agree with me, but I think that... Uh, there's some disagreements that happened uh, once in a while. It's just think that uh, and then Kathy, Kathy, who's a member of the think tank is uh, I guess, disputing that she's saying, Oh no, Ed and I sometimes disagree regarding the weekly case, but the more disappearances you study, the more depth you become in trying to figure out what happened. Yeah. As I like to say, the think tank is the only thing of its kind. We really jump into these disappearances very deeply we do things that are not done in the official interviews or the official episodes where we do a lot of theorizing. I pose like some alternate timeline types of questions and well, if this hadn't happened, do you think he would have still gone missing things like that? We have, it's, it's fun, but it's also informative. And then all that information does eventually make its way back to the guest for that episode to help them maybe have some additional insight into their loved one's missing persons case. So we don't just do it to do it. There is a reason uh, that the think tank exists. Yes, you should call. I need to get on in this think tank. I think you should call with a K. Uh, thank you for considering it. Moving on. Uh, unfound now. I have it picked out. Of course, we're due. It's the end of the month. And I'm going to actually film it tomorrow. So everybody who is a member of this channel... If you're not yet one, just hit the join button down below this screen where you're seeing me. I uh, have it picked out. And it's one that happened, of course, very recently within the last couple months. You may remember last month uh, I covered the disappearance of Lorenzo Holmes, who fell off a cruise ship, which is a story that uh, another story like that that I want to talk about before the night is over. But uh, I've kind of alternate between male, female, male, female, back and forth. So we'll be covering uh, the disappearance of a woman. And it is a the man said type of disappearance. Not a lot of information out there, but certainly enough where uh, I could take a look at it, explain some things to you, and then may, all of you will come to your own conclusion. So I already have it written out. And I will be filming it tomorrow, either before or after the soccer game. Moving on. Um, and if you don't know what Unfound Now is, it's a weekly series or monthly series that's been going on since the summer of 2020. Uh, I cover a recent disappearance, um, usually with the episode coming out at the end of the month for members of this channel. And then for the public, uh, that comes out a week later also given that this is the end of the month uh the newsletter will be done i'll start writing that sometime tomorrow 
tomorrow or Wednesday, and it will be coming out on Thursday since I like to have those newsletters come out at the beginning of the month. And we just will see. I'm still not sure what I'm going to write about, but I'm sure I'll figure out something. I usually am not hurting for topics to write about. Uh, Valerie asks, Ed, if you could travel anywhere, where would you want to go? Uh, Valerie, you know, I'm not much of a traveler. Um, but if I have to admit that, in fact, my brother Brian and I talked about this, uh, right before, uh, the Powerball, um, hit for that 2 billion. Remember, see, see how quickly for, we forget that was just, what was it a month ago now, or maybe not even that long ago, but, uh, my brother Brian and I were kind of dreaming, I guess, fantasizing. What would you do? And one of the things we said is we would have gone to, uh, Qatar for the world world cup. It looks go to Qatar or, or, or Abu Dhabi just to see what those cities are really like up close. Uh, I think that that would be really, really fascinating given that the world cup was going on there and all the different people from all over the world coming into one place. And of course, if you hit Powerball with all that money, you could stay anywhere you wanted. That would certainly help and fly there on a private plane. So I think that might be interesting to check out. Uh, There was a time when, if you'd asked me that question, I think I would have said like Hong Kong, but being all that stuff that has gone on in Hong Kong in the last couple of years, of course, with all the COVID stuff and then the crackdowns with China and all that, that has become less attractive to me. So I would say uh, that had I won the Powerball back then, I'm pretty sure that uh, Brian and I and whoever else wanted to go would have gone to the Qatar for the World Cup and then probably also taken a trip over to Abu Dhabi. And I still would have managed to do the podcast too, pretty sure. Maybe I would have been recording it on the plane or something. We just don't know. But uh, that is my answer to that question, Valerie. That's a good one. Thank you. Um. Mm-hmm. Shri says, my son was in Qatar for a year. Oh, really, Shri? I didn't know that. Definitely unique. Wow. Deborah says, Alaska, Alaskan cruise for me. Just a little too cold um, for me, even on a cruise ship, even in the summer, Deborah. Probably. I have nothing against cruises, but that would not be my first choice. But uh, I know my, I think my mom and dad went on a couple of those Alaskan cruises way back in the day, and they always uh, had a great time. Um, moving on. Uh, one more unfound thing before I can devote the rest of the time to national true crime news. And that is not this Friday. This Friday will be a regular uh, disappearance that I will talk about before the night is over, before the show is done. The interview got done last night. But uh, next Friday, so December 9th, uh, we will have a very, very, very special guest on Unfound. 
and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to do the interview next week. Uh, it will not be a disappearance episode, but um, maybe a little bit of an oversight on my part. I'll just put it that way. But I think you're really going to enjoy it. I've already spoken to this person. I've already put the outline together. And this person approved it. And this person is all excited. Uh, this person said that there are a lot of good questions on the on the outline. So uh, really looking forward to that. We're going to do that interview next Tuesday for Friday's episode. So I'm not ready to, exactly ready to reveal who the guest is going to be probably on next week's live show is when I will let all of you know who that guest is going to be. But I can assure you, even though it's not going to be a disappearance episode, we're certainly we're going to certainly probably talk about disappearances, but um, it's going to be a fascinating, I think, interview given everything that this person has experienced. So that's uh, the last uh, unfound topic that I want to cover. So let's move on now to the national news. What's going on out there? A lot of stories to talk about. I'm not going to talk about the Casey Anthony uh, stuff because, once again, I don't know anything about it. And uh, it's not on my agenda for tonight. And usually before I comment on something that's national news, I'd like to read about it instead of just maybe trying to do something off the top of my head. I should say, uh, like Valerie did, Valerie kind of just threw a question in there about where I would like to um, travel to. Um, If you'd like to ask me any questions, uh, true crime or not, I did not get any questions before uh, tonight's uh, doing tonight's show. So if there's anything on in your brain that you would like for me to answer something you've been thinking about asking me, but haven't gotten to now is the time to do it as I cover national news for uh, the rest of the show for the next probably hour and five minutes. And of course the last five minutes will be uh, regarding this Friday's episode. So I will start with the Idaho massacre. Um, Here's a, Really, as far as I can tell, there are no updates in the um, in the actual investigation. There's certainly been a lot of people that I've seen who are already trying to turn it into a what I like to call a cottage industry, starting their own uh, YouTube show or. Uh, you know, I've even seen a couple out there, like they were doing like vacation videos and all of a sudden they're becoming true crime experts, experts or something. Uh, it's certainly become a cottage industry. Everybody's jumping in. Everybody knows how popular this story is. And there, there continue to be stories that are coming out day after day after day on all the, I, I don't really watch news on TV, but I do go to news websites in what I think, if you're really, really paying attention to all of it, is there's really been no new facts regarding the investigation that seemed to be leading them there anywhere. We're certainly hearing about, uh, as my assistant Emily was telling me, I think yesterday, that 
Well, the guy, Ethan, he was giving money to some people. He was helping uh, one of the other victims with uh, you know, money for food. And so we're finding out a lot about more about these four victims. And I suppose that can't hurt. And I'm the first person to say that when it comes to disappearances, knowing the missing person certainly helps us in trying to understand what happened regarding their, their disappearance. But as far as the investigation goes, there's been nothing. Despite all the articles, despite all the headlines, despite all the interviews, and despite, 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 really there hasn't been any investigation, at least made, new, made to the public, for quite a while. Maybe that's been missed by everybody. So we just have to keep in mind, it's been a lot of stuff keeping it in the news. Why? Because it gets a lot of clicks. That's why. And uh, we have to remember that since these four kids were murdered, there's been a ton of murders that have happened in the United States since. Doesn't mean it's not important. Certainly could be that this killers out there may strike again. But really, there's just been no updates. There's been no sketches. There's been nothing from the police. Like, well, you need to keep an eye out for this. You need to keep an eye out for that. Nothing like that. And in fact, it's been like the opposite. As I was reading an article today, that since uh, these murders happened uh, there in Moscow or Moscow, Idaho, the police have gotten, as it usually happens, have gotten all sorts of crazy calls about people seeing things and did I read something? Somebody working in a laundromat saw somebody that had clothes with blood on it. And the calls to 911 and everything have just skyrocketed in that town since this. So the paranoia, paranoia is up. People are on edge. People have a fear out there in that town. And I guess that's understandable. But it is also, on the other hand, it just shows you how quickly... Uh, a peaceful town, a nice little quiet town that can become the opposite. And dare I say it, um, that this is, in my opinion, what has kind of happened in Canadian, te- uh, Canadian Texas too, with Tom Brown's death. And of course, that's been going on for a lot longer since 2016, and certainly since his remains were found in early 2019. But people get on edge when things don't get solved. Whether he, Tom committed suicide, murder, accident, wherever, that when you have – if this was New York City, these things don't happen like that. If this is Chicago, it's L.A., it's Houston. If four people are stabbed to death in even, a, even in a city like Tampa – which isn't even close to one of the biggest in the United States. Just the, it's horrible and we want it solved, but it, as far as statistics go, it really doesn't really move the needle at all. People just continue going on with their lives. The calls to 911 don't really go up. People do not get more paranoid. They don't live on an edge. It's just a different vibe. But when things like this happen in a small town like that, 
It's completely the opposite. And so that's what's going on there right now. And I certainly do not envy any of the uh, law enforcement officials or local administrators or mayor or council people or anybody else and what they're having to go through right there right now. Certainly there is a killer somewhere. But we have to remember that that killer could be 2,000 miles away now. There are no facts to dispute that at this point. No facts to dispute that. Very well could be somebody from that town. Very well could be somebody who was very, very close to them. In fact, the statistics say that that's probably the truth. That's probably a fact, just figuring figuring out who that person is. But there is another percentage, that other 20%, that one in five chance, I guess you'd say, that it's not anybody that these victims knew at all. So that town is on edge. But what I ask for all of you as, as you follow this, really pay attention to how lots of headlines, no new information. And the reason that happens, as I've stated, like with the JFK assassination and D.B. Cooper and all of this, there is, at least with these historical crimes that we know about, there is no new information. The reason books and, and documentaries and everything continue to be made about JFK and D.B. Cooper and, and all of this stuff, the Bermuda Triangle and all of that, is because it sells, not because there's any new information. And I think, unfortunately, as a person who reads true crime news or crime news, just crime news every day, this is kind of where we are with this. They're continuing to run with the story because they know it's popular, not because there's any new information. And it's one of the things that drives me nuts uh, about media of all types, at least in the United States, not just true crime, not just political, not just sports, not just weather. In fact, you heard me go off about two months ago about all the uh, local weather people and Hurricane Ian and everything. They played it up simply because they're on TV. Of course, it was bad, but not for us here. The people south of us are the people who got hit. So this really bothers me. It's just nothing new, Um, but it has everybody's eyeballs and they're just going to keep running with it because it helps their ad rates. That's that's me, Mr. Mr. Cynical, that that's the way I think about it, given that this is what I do uh, 24-7. Deborah asks me a question. Have you ever been close to getting married? The answer is no. Uh, Not close at all, Deborah. there was a uh, Deborah. You, maybe you know this. I do a Q and A episode once a year where I, I I put a lot of questions that I've gotten for like this live show or questions that I've gotten through the email, and I just do one show a year on one Friday where I answer all these questions. And in the first one of those that I did, uh, I actually answered. In, I asked. <laughs> Somebody did send me a question. Why are you single? Why have you never been married? Something like that. 
And you can go back and listen to it, Deborah. If you can go back, I think once again to the first Q and A episode I did, maybe in 2019, maybe. Um, after I read the question, my exact statement is, "How long do you have?" <laughs> it's so it's like, well, you're asking me this question. How how much time do I get to explain uh, why I'm still single? Because it, it it takes quite a while. But um, no, I haven't. Uh, a lot of re- different reasons for that, Deborah. Uh, I, I think that um, I've had a lot of great women in my life. Uh, I've been very fortunate um, to have some um, really good girlfriends here and there. But the the issue is that I'm usually attracted to women who are like myself, at least in, in the way that we really need our space and we really need our independence and we really um, don't like seeing uh, the same people every day and don't have to feel obligated to talk to somebody on a daily basis. That's kind of who I am. So, <laughs> no, not bad girls, but so they're very independent. And so, when you're really, really independent like that and you need your space and you need your quiet time and they do too, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to even go in, in that direction. And I'm fine with that. I, I, I really, I don't think that I've um, missed anything at all. Most of my friends are married. Um, my, uh, and, you know, every, just about everybody in my family is married. And I just, and I hope I don't offend any of them who are going to watch this live show, although I don't know how many of them do. I wouldn't want any of their marriages. They're all fine people. And I think within their own marriages, they're happy. But I wouldn't want to be in any of them. So, there you go. Uh, Shri, do you, did you see Political Beats? Did we're at Ankovic? No, I did not see that. Shri, <laughs> You know better than ask me that, Shree. No, I I don't even know. Um, no, I didn't see that. Um, that's the same show that did Prince, right, Shree? That we were talking about some months ago. Uh, no, um, did not see that. And I really, you know, I really since they they finished the Prince series, Shree, I haven't even been back to that. So. What other bands or groups or singers have they done between Prince and now? Maybe I should go back and, and check that out. But I, I surely would not do Word El Yankovic. I didn't even like him in the 80s. Kathy says, no murders in Moscow, Idaho in 17 years. Yeah. And Mark says, it's happening now in Delphi, Indiana with, um, with media coverage and covering stuff. And there's really no new facts and everything. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It, this this is just how media has changed. We have to remember, it was not so long ago, at least in the United States. I'm not here to speak for the real from Australia and uh, others uh, from Toronto or anywhere. But in the United States, it wasn't that long ago where people used to get their fill of the news uh, half hour to, in the evening at 7 o'clock from 7 to 7.30 and the local newspaper, which came out sometime in the afternoon, print. That was it. And somehow that was enough 
to keep people informed for decades. Nothing's changed. You know, I'm not of the opinion that we need this 24-7 news cycle of CNN, Fox News, CNBC, MSNBC, all of this continuous, continuous, continuous. I think that is harmful to our culture. I think it then means that they, there's not enough news out there, so they have to start filling it in with other stuff or keep running the same stories over and over and over. So I, I'm just not a fan of that. Um, Deborah says bad girls. No, I, I, I have not. Uh, no, Deborah. I, I would say that for the most part, um, that uh, most of the women who who I've dated and been in relationships are are fine women. But you should know they're still single too. Most of the women that I've dated in my adult life, let's just say since I moved to Las Vegas in 1998, they're still single too. Not just me. Really weird. And I, 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 and I consider them to be high-quality women, but they're just that way. Um, if you started seeing someone, would you tell us? Well, it just depends, Fairy. Mark, radical theories, adamant beliefs of guilty or innocence, and no one, and I mean no one, has seen the first ounce of evidence yet. Yep. I know it, Mark. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's horrible. Sheree, yes, they also did Willie Nelson, and I know you want to see that one. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, Willie Nelson, uh, yeah. Um, everything says it's far too repetitive, Ed. News, yes, the real. I think we stayed like that a bit longer over here, but the 24-hour news cycle is with us now. Yeah. And Sheree is agreeing with Mark. Okay. So let's move on to this story. Uh, I, I posted it in the group, and I was not aware that, so many people were not aware of it. I thought this is something that maybe given all of you or at least people in the discussion group on Facebook, you know, maybe have their pulse on these things a little bit more than I do. But I want to talk about this cross-country killer. Authorities have announced additional information about what they believe led to a triple murder in Riverside, California. I've been to Riverside many times in my life. I used to go down there for work when I lived in Las Vegas. Been all over that city. Of course, we covered a disappearance from that town, Ashley Kohler. The teenage daughter of one of the victims found following a house fire was taken by a Virginia man who had been catfishing her online. You know, catfishing, pretend to be somebody you're not. Just after 11 a.m. Friday, so this past Friday, three days ago, Riverside police officers were called to a home for reports of a disturbance between a man and a teen girl. An officer said the teen appeared distressed while getting into a red Kia Soul with a man who later was later identified as 28-year-old Austin Lee Edwards of North Chesterfield, Virginia. So this is happening in Riverside, California, which is kind of suburb of L.A., like east of L.A. And he's from North Chesterfield, Virginia. I don't even know where that is in Virginia. While officers res- were responding to the welfare check, a call came in for a house fire nearby. Authorities later learned the house on fire was the girl's home. The Riverside Fire Department initiated a fire attack and made entry when they found three adult victims lying on the ground in the front entryway. Their bodies were pulled outside where it was determined they were victims of homicides. The victims were identified as the girl's mother, 38-year-old Brooke Wynick, and her grandparents, 69-year-old uh, uh, Mark Wynick and 65-year-old Sherry Wynick. The exact cause and manner of their deaths are still under investigation. 
The cause of the house fire is still under investigation. Authorities say it appears to have been intentionally ignited. Several hours later, Edwards was discovered driving with the teen through San Bernardino County in the unincorporated area of Kelso, been there as well, where he was located by deputies. When confronted, Edwards allegedly fired shots at deputies before they fired back, killing him. The teen was unharmed and taken into protective custody. Officials say Edwards met the girl online and catfished her, pretending to be someone he was not. After developing a relationship with her and getting her personal information, he traveled from Virginia to Riverside to see her, they said. Edwards allegedly parked his car in a neighbor's driveway, walked to the girl's home, and murdered her mother and grandparents prior to leaving with the teen. Edward, now here's, get this. Edwards had worked for the Virginia State Police and until recently was employed at the Washington County Sheriff's Office in Virginia. Our hearts go out to the Wynick family and their loved ones during this time of tremendous grief, as this is a tragedy for all Riversiders. Riverside Police Chief Larry Gonzalez said. This is yet another horrific reminder of the predators existing online who prey on our children. If you've already had a conversation with your kids on how to be safe online and on social media, have it again. If not, start it now to better protect them. It takes um, quite a person to get in a car in Virginia, drive 3,000 miles with the intent on killing people. And I can say uh, right about now, I'm sure the Israel Keys people are already thinking, well, is it possible that this guy might have done this somewhere else? Should we start looking for unexplained murders in other places where there were fires or people murdered, people shot, and somebody's missing? Maybe. My guess is you're probably not going to find anything. But this is that kind of... This is the kind of crime that goes against going with the percentages. I love going with the percentages. I think that given all the studies that have been done on crime, no studies that have been necessarily done on disappearances, but on crime in general, on suicides, on what percentage of the population is killed by somebody they know, which is like 80%, knowing how many people are died by stabbings died by shootings uh how much of it could be gang related or whatever else crime between um partners between spouses all of those things are certainly helpful to understanding crime as a whole no matter if you live in the united states or some other country where these kinds of studies have been done but this is what makes trying to stop crime anywhere so difficult i don't think anybody anywhere has a formula for stopping a guy who lives in Virginia from driving 3,000 miles to kill three people in California, P three people he doesn't know. Now, I'm going to say that what I am, um, I, I, I think I might be able to be convinced that 
what should I say? How should I put this? Where my mind really goes with this is that, are we sure, even though, you know, I hate to say this, but are we sure that this girl wasn't in on it? Um, it very well may be that he went out there with the, 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 the prime purpose of kidnapping her and murdering, murdering them. But at this point, I can't rule out the idea that this might've been uh, a plan by both of them. I, I mean, are we sure that she was catfished? I mean, I know that's what it is and it's in quotations in the article and, it would be interesting to know who this guy was pretending to be and everything. But when I hear stories like this, and maybe it's just my law and order side coming out being that um, I've seen every one of the original episodes, although I have not had a chance to watch now that it re- was it's rebooted and everything on what is it, Paramount Plus or wherever it is. But on the old one, the, the original one from like 1990 until it ended in what, 2012 i've seen every episode but there is there are at least a couple episodes where parents are killed and it's eventually uh decided that the the living daughter wanted her parents dead and she wanted the boyfriend to do it so maybe this is just my law and order side coming out but i think it would certainly be something that needs to be examined Um, you know, it's unclear to me why he would drive all that way, not knowing what's going to happen, even not knowing the girl, if the girl was going to go along with this, what reason would he have to kill? Is he really saying that he couldn't have just met this girl on the, on the sidewalk somewhere driving all that way and, I guess what I'm saying is this maybe is not as straightforward as everybody thinks. And you know, I don't go into Cookville and conspiracy land too often, but when I see something that is so rare, such as this, once again, especially considering what we know about stats regarding murder, I don't think it's something we can rule out. Not at this point. I certainly hope they can't rule it out. I I hope that she is a totally innocent victim. I feel horrible for her if she is. Um, but mm-mm. it's just something about this story that just does not seem as straightforward um, to me. Now, of course, you know, we've kind of covered a disappearance like this Bernard Rustness and Peggy Parmenter, which, of course, we just covered within the last couple of months where there was a fire in that house. And when it was put out, their son was found in there deceased. No proof he was murdered. No proof he was shot or strangled or anything. But he did die. He he was in the house. He was dead. Does this mean that that could have happened in, in that situation? I will tell you, of course, Joe, who was the guest for that episode, certainly is leans toward that. I don't think I'm speaking out of school and telling you that I personally don't believe that, but the facts of this 
case in these murders in Riverside, California, kind of do go in line with Bernard Rustness and Peggy Parmenter, who disappeared after their house went up in flames. I guess maybe the most important part is that, yes, this house in Riverside, California went up in flames, but all the bodies were recovered. Whereas with Bernard and Peggy, their house went up in flames and those two were not recovered. Although there was that skull that I I think a lot of people just dismiss as being not as don't think it's Bernard or Peggy. So, and given that I just spoke about the Idaho murders, is this not what could have happened there too? If one of these, one of those girls was getting catfished online and some guy, let's just say from Florida, drove the whole, whole way to Idaho to kill her and whoever else happened to be in that house. Of course, missing those two roommates. But so that I guess that opens up the possibility as that as well, given that's always kind of happening around the same time. Four kids get murdered in Idaho. And then we have this guy who drives the whole way across the United States. I mean, pretty much. I mean, you know, unless you're driving from Maine to California, the drive doesn't get, you know, much uh, longer than Virginia to um, California. That's a long drive. And I've driven across the United States three times now. That's a long way to do anything. (laughs) I don't care if you're going somewhere to do something horrible as this. Or driving that whole way because you're doing something great at the end of it. That is a long haul if you've never done it. But to stay focused like that for so long. Setting out, surely when this guy set out from Virginia, he knew he was going to California to kill people. That's a long way to hold that thought in your head. It's a lot of miles, 3,000 miles to hold that in your head. And then on top of that, he was working for the sheriff's office. He was working with law enforcement, not maybe in a law enforcement position, but, you know, we certainly, I'd certainly like to hear more about this guy. Certainly. Um, what was going on with him? What made him tick? If any of his former coworkers want to come forward, I'd certainly like to see what they have to say about them. Um let me go back, see what everybody's saying. The real, uh, no one ever asked where, how you heard about a major breaking news story anymore. The answer is always that you got an alert on your phone at the same time as everyone else. Yeah. Uh, Puma says, what a sad story. Puma and have to be a law enforcement background. Crazy, crazy. Puma, it has happened. I hope they look into that angle of it regarding uh, uh, kids wanting their parents murdered. Certainly has happened, Puma. Certainly. Ferry says, it kind of doesn't matter if she was in on it. He's still... Uh, He's still a chimo. He's still culpable because she's a minor. Yeah. And we'll never know being that he got in this shootout with police and he's dead now. So if somehow during this catfishing, she convinced him that her family needed to die because they wouldn't let her do this and they wouldn't let her do that, whether she was telling the truth or not. Um, Well, you know, unless there's got something on social media between them that shows that, 
the guy's dead, so we're, we can't get that from him now. The crazy, crazy story, but I, I, I just get the feeling this is going to bring all the Israel Keys people out of the woodwork again. Well, if this guy could travel 3,000 miles, then... You know, we need to take a look at Israel Keys again. Ed, you always dismiss them. Well, if somebody can drive 3,000 miles, then certainly Israel Keys could have done even way more than everybody knows that he did. I guess. I'm just, maybe I'm just not in the mood to get into that tonight. So I wanted to talk about that. Oh, child molester, Chimo. I didn't know that there was a shortened uh, version of the title child molester. Thank you. Faith. Moving on. Uh, I want to talk about this guy who went overboard and is very lucky to be alive. A missing passenger from the Carnival Valor cruise ship was rescued hours later by U.S. Coast Guard. The 28-year-old was discovered about 20 miles south of Southwest Pass, a channel south of Louisiana at the mouth of the Mississippi River. He had been reported missing at around 2.30 p.m. local time on the same day and was located around 8.25 p.m., so he was in the water for six hours. By Coast Guard Air Station, New Orleans, MH-60 Jayhawk Air Crew. I see them always flying around here. They're always doing, not this particular group, but the Coast Guard is always out, right out here, straight out here, practicing uh, with their planes and uh, helicopters. The passenger was hoisted out of the water and up onto a helicopter before being given medical attention in the New Orleans Lakefront Airport. We are beyond grateful that this case ended with a positive outcome. Lieutenant Seth Gross, a Sector New Orleans Search and Rescue Mission Coordinator, said in a statement. It took a total team effort from Ghost Guard watchstanders, response crews, and our professional maritime partners operating in the Gulf of Mexico to locate the missing individual and get him to safety. If not for the alert crew aboard the motor vessel Crinus, this case could have had a much more difficult ending. The man was reported missing after leaving a bar to use the restroom at around 11 p.m. On, p.m. on Wednesday, according to Fox 8 New Orleans. Now, you may remember, given that I just spoke about Unfound Now earlier in the show tonight, that the, the last Unfound Now I covered was about a guy who went missing after falling off a cruise ship in Alaska. So there you go. Uh, Deborah wanted to go take an Alaska cruise. And he was not found, though. Even though it was it was obvious fairly quickly that the guy went into the water, and he was even in he wasn't like out in the in the Pacific Ocean or in a bay or anything, he was in this channel with land on both sides, and they still did not find him. He's, even though I did that episode a month ago, he's still missing. They did not find him. So this just shows you how lucky. Uh, this guy is to be in the water six six for six hours out in the kind of like on the edge of the Gulf where the Mississippi River goes into the Gulf to be out there for six hours and and be found and live is really really rare. But I'm inclined to believe that this happens way more than he realized. When it comes to cruise ship, cruise ship disappearances, I am under uh, a very, very certain belief that it's two reasons, drunk or suicide. And 
there may have been some foul play on a few of them, but I'm telling you, it has to be 90, 95, 98, 99% of people who go into the water off of cruise ships, it's suicides or just not knowing what they're doing. You know, walking down the, the railing of the ship, stumbling along, you know, the, the ship's going in the water. Maybe the waves are a little rush, uh, you know, rough. And all it takes is one bang and the, the, the ship to sh- shake a little bit. And over the side, the person goes very easily. And this uh, comes to, brings to mind a disappearance of, um, and this was a disappearance actually that I covered on the previous True Crime podcast I was a part of before Unfound got started. Uh, my co-host and I, or the other host, uh, and I covered Amy Lynn Bradley's disappearance. She was a woman who went missing from a cruise ship in the Caribbean. And then years later, a few years later, all these, what I would call rumors, started to pop up that she was seen on an island and she got sex trafficked. And she was being held against her will and that uh, there was even a picture of her. Maybe some of you have seen that picture in which a lot of people believe that that's Amy Lynn Bradley and she has all this makeup on and like she was forced into prostitution. So she was on this ship. Somehow somebody sneaked her or snuck her off the ship when it came into port and nobody saw her never to be seen again. And I'll tell you to this day, I don't believe any of it. I don't believe any of it. The fact is, yes, she was um, out that night, but she was out. She was drinking with some people. She was dancing with some people. And having done, been on a few cruises in my life, uh, most recently in 2012, even though I'm not a drinker or anything else, I can totally understand why drunk people go over the sides of ships. I'm I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. So if you've ever uh, followed any disappearances like that, and there's not that many out there, um, at least when it comes to Americans uh, going missing on cruise ships, but it does seem it does happen all over the world. I have to tell you, I'm just not inclined to believe that any, hardly any of it is foul play. Um, even with Amy Lynn Bradley, uh, I've convinced myself that, yes, she was drinking a little too much. She was a smoker. She went out there somewhere along one of the decks to catch a smoke and fell into the water somehow. And there's all sorts of allegations. They covered stuff up and people knew. I don't believe any of it. And even the picture that has been out there. Even if you do a uh, a search for uh, Amy Lynn Bradley on Google, you'll see this picture, this woman who's on a bed and they'll try to convince you it's her. I'm not convinced of any of it. Um, but this guy who, um, you know, it's a telltale sign where it says the man was reported missing after leaving a bar to use the restroom. Uh, are we sure that he, instead of going to the restroom, he decided to go over to the side of the railing and just relieve himself 
over the railing, which I'm sure happens on cruise ships all around the world and didn't just can fall in. Does that not just make a lot of sense? I think it does. But, uh, you know, going back to Amy Lynn Bradley's, I, I, I don't know if we'll ever cover it on, on Unfound or not, but um, what never made sense to me is that her family knew she was missing before the ship ever got to the port. So how was it that somebody was a, how somebody was able to sneak her off the ship when the family and the crew were already looking for her? And if you've never uh, disembarked from a cruise ship, you know how you have to get off and it's single file and everybody gets checked. And how did somebody sneak her through all of that? It's just. It just challenges my imagination. In addition, even if she was being forced, she's still on the ship. She's not going to say anything to anybody. It just, and I feel bad. I feel bad. I know that types of situations when people like with Amy Lynn Bradley, it gives their family hope. Well, she could still be alive. But I think when you really start to think about that, um, It just seems implausible. It just does. Um, very sad though, but you got to be careful. It's one of those things. You're on vacation. You don't think anything bad can happen. And of course we know the, the cruise ship, you know, companies love people to drink and have a good time and spend all their money and get loaded up and lose all their money, uh, gambling on the ship and buying uh, expensive works of art and all that stuff that they do, those auctions that they have on a cruise. I, like I said, I've been on a couple cruises. You can, you can just blow through money like nobody's business. Um, but if you can't control yourself, this is what happens. It's very sad. But um, I'm certainly happy that this guy was found. He just does not know how close he came to dying. Maybe he does. Hopefully, uh, probably sobered up while while he was in the water and uh, started thinking about his life's choices right about that time. And I hope he did. But um, let me... Um, hello, everyone. Hello, Laura. You're back home. Good to hear that. Um, Shree says, rage is much easier to understand than wanton murder. 3,000 miles is not rage, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with that guy. 3,000 miles to murder three people. I don't know if we'll ever know, Shree. I don't know. Kathy, also think Amy Bradley went into the water. Kathy says everything agrees with Kathy. Ferry, they thought maybe she was hurt by a crew member. I don't know, Ferry. Uh, my impression is that um, maybe she did go back to some crew members' uh, um, suite or room or whatever they call them on ships. But 
once again, as a guy who's been on, a, I went on a cruise in 2006, a cruise in 2012. Um, especially for the people who actually work on those cruise ships, they basically live on top of each other. Now you don't get to see where the crew of the the crews of these ships stay. They stay way down in the the bottom center of the ship. And their accommodations are surely not like the guest accommodations. So how did this all happen? And did nobody else see where there are no any witnesses? It's just, it's just all a little hard to understand, I think. But I, I continue to believe that Amy Bradley uh, went over the rail all by herself. And I even think that there was another, is there, maybe if somebody knows about this, was there not another disappearance on a cruise ship where the family went after the um went after the cruise line for something there was a cover-up or something like that it was not amy lynn bradley it was somebody else i thought but this i think was of a woman who actually worked on the ship i know somebody's going to probably google that and be able to tell me that um Yes, uh, no, it was, I'm pretty sure, maybe you're, th- Shri, you may be thinking of uh, that Charles, jo- or George Smith, he went on his, he was on his honeymoon, that's maybe who you're thinking of, I remember that, but this is, what I'm remembering was definitely uh, a woman, um, everything said she died on the ship, you mean? I thought she went overboard everything, but I know I'm sure if you Google it right now, there was something about, I thought that she worked on the ship doing something. Was she an entertainer or something? And then she disappeared from the ship. I thought that's what it was. Caldo says the lady was talking on the payphone right before she went missing. Maybe called. I don't remember that. Um, all I, like I said, it's not Amy Lynn Bradley. It was, I thought, Ferry says it was a triangle relationship, two girls and a guy. Um, yeah, there was something that was on that too, but I'm thinking of something where, um, they covered it up. She seemingly fell overboard. And the cruise line covered it up, even though she was an employee for them or something. That's I know there's like the George Smith thing where he fell overboard and his, and his fiance or new wife didn't seem concerned about it at all. And then there was blood on the top of the the cabin below or the the like the um like the canopy below. I, I, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, Rebecca Corium. That's it. Yes, there you go, Jasmine. And then. Orky says, uh, getting in here for the first time. Yes, Orky. That's right. Rebecca Corian. That's what I was thinking of. So these things happen. Uh, I don't just, I just don't know, uh, what to make of it, but, um, it does show that, uh, these things happen and people go overboard on cruise ships all by themselves. Paul Rossington and Christian Schroeder, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah, they, they're the real, they, I thought they lured another woman and killed her on a cruise ship or something like that, right? Something like that. 
And that's the thing. These things go on in the high seas. You have to remember that you're not necessarily in a U.S. jurisdiction anymore. You have to remember that these cruise ships uh, fly under the flags of like Panama or Liberia uh, for tax reasons and, and all sorts of different reasons. So y'all, you have to remember that. So thinking about going on a cruise, just remember that if something bad happens, it's just not that simple. Okay. I want to read this. Uh, I have a couple things that I want to still cover before, but I want to talk about this Melissa Highsmith case where she was identified and brought back to her parents 51 years later. Melissa Highsmith's case was one of the oldest missing cases in the country. Uh, that's not true. That's hyperbole. But four days ago, her life changed forever. The family said a 23andMe DNA case linked the family together. In a sit-down interview with WFAA, Highsmith said, I feel like I'm dreaming. I keep having to pinch myself to make sure I'm awake. I'm just elated. I can't describe my feelings. I'm so happy to see my daughter, and I didn't think I would ever see her again, said Alta Apatenko, Melissa's mother. She has lied live. I cried like a baby, said Jeffrey Highsmith, Melissa's father. On August 23rd, 1971, Apatenko advertised for a babysitter and spoke with a supposed sitter by the name of Ruth Johnson, who agreed to pick up 21-month-old Melissa from the family's apartment building on East Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. Since Apatenko had to be at work, her roommate handed Melissa to Johnson, who was described as well-dressed and wearing white gloves. That evening, Johnson never returned little Melissa and could not be reached. Fort Worth police and the FBI were soon involved. But more than 50 years later, very few leads had surfaced. Police at the time said they discovered no evidence Melissa was harmed and hoped Johnson or whoever had the baby was taking good care of her. Highsmith said she had a hard life and that all this time she thought the woman who raised her was her mother. I didn't feel loved as a child. It was abusive. I ran away at 15 years old. I went to the streets. I did what I had to do to get by. I worked the streets, Highsmith said, which to me means she was a prostitute for a while. WFAA said, asked if Highsmith spoke to the woman she called mom. She felt hurt sharing the details, but her father, Jeffrey, said Highsmith contacted the woman through Facebook Messenger saying, do you have anything to tell me? She said, am I this little girl? The mother confessed. I brought you five. I bought you for $500 on the street, she said in 1972. Melissa, Melissa thinks she's the one that kidnapped her from the Spanish Gate apartment in Fort Worth. Highsmith was living 20 minutes away from her biological mother in Fort Worth, and they had no idea. Apatenko said her ex-husband got an email three days ago that linked them. He was going through his DNA, and these three names popped up, and he didn't know who they were. But it has his DNA, and it had her DNA. It was two boys and a girl. He didn't understand. And he called his daughter, Rebecca, who had been working on it. Then my son reached out to her, friend request, and she accepted it. And he was telling her all these things about Melissa being kidnapped, and she said, I'm sorry, I don't think I'm that person, said Apatenko. Highsmith wasn't sure if she could believe it. She said, Jeff, her brother, told her. He asked me, I don't think that I'm, I'm that girl. I'm so sorry. He said, he wouldn't, he said, wouldn't you like to be 100% sure? He said, I'll pay for the DNA test. And I told him I'll take the test, but I really didn't think I was that girl. Once I saw the baby picture and I put my baby picture against it, against it it's like my twin. From here on, Heisman said she plans on officially changing her name from Melanie back to Melissa. She also plans on remarrying her current husband so her father can walk her down the aisle. Wow. And so her family can be at her wedding. 
The Fort Worth Police Department is overjoyed to hear about overjoyed to hear about how the Highsmiths youths of 23 and me led them to Melissa. The Fort Worth Police Fort Worth Police Department will be conducting official DNA testing to confirm Melissa's identity and the department will repi- provide an update once the official results have come in. Uh, the major case unit will be working with the Highsmith family to continue the investigation into Melissa's disappearance. Even though the criminal statute of limitations expired 20 years after Melissa's 18th birthday, uh, the police department is committed to completing this investigation to uncover all of the available information concerning Melissa's abduction that occurred 51 years ago. The family wants justice served. She stole 51 years of my joy with my family. Justice needs to be served. Right now, I want to spend time with my daughter said Jeffrey spectacular story. And as Lisa's saying, it blows her mind. Yeah. Uh, this is of course something that could not probably have even been done 10 years ago. Uh, this kind of this private DNA stuff has just been happening within the last few years. We know that some of these private companies have been even helpful in solving murders. We know that uh, it helped, uh, in a way, solving the original Night Stalker um, crimes and, and many others through private DNA and police departments, local governments getting their hands on this. Even though I'm guessing when people sent their DNA into these companies, that was not what it was expected and that that still continues to be uh, a point of contention between um, people who are trying to get their, who are getting their DNA tested, and whether these private companies should have been giving, should have been giving access to uh, to law enforcement and other other places. But for this uh, circumstance, it worked out. And then the next question is. Uh, are there any disappearances that Unfound has covered that maybe we think could go this uh, the same direction? Um, probably not. Um, I think that there may be only two that that might fall into this category. One being uh, Nyleen Marshall. That's uh, a little girl who went missing. I think it was from where. Montana, you remember that Heather Grotman was the guest. She went to an event with her family and something happened. Did she stroll off into the woods and they couldn't find her? Was she abducted? Nobody knows. Maybe that could be one. Uh, another one maybe might be, we remember um, Bonnie Dagus and her son Jeremy Dagus. They went missing together. That was right over that direction in Florida, about an hour away where that happened over in the Brandon plant city area, kind of also where Kaya Taylor went missing all in that general area, but maybe Jeremy Degas, if somebody does DNA, maybe he was given up to somebody. Unfortunately, we maybe believe that Bonnie Degas was killed, but maybe somebody didn't kill Jeremy or her son. Maybe that can happen one of these days, but we have to remember that happened. Quite a few years ago, Nyleen Marshall's disappearance happened quite a few years ago. Other than that, though, we have to remember, we have to be talking about uh, children who are very, very young. 
who would not remember like their prior lives. This is what would probably rule out like Leanne Hosberg, Jennifer Perry, Kimberly Norwood, just to name a few, because they were just too old. They would remember their family. And then all of a sudden they're being given a new name and living somewhere else. And, and this would probably get in the way of, even though they're still children, that would get in the way of them. Like uh, somebody successfully changing their identities. But, and we really haven't covered the disappearance of too many young, really, really, really young children. We just haven't done that. Um, maybe, Dub Wacker Hagen and his son, maybe his son, maybe that could be another one, maybe. But we just haven't covered too many like that. But as long as there's DNA testing out there and people are using these companies, then I guess anything's possible. Um, Laura says her case was just on The Vanished just two weeks ago. Rebecca Coriums was? I didn't even know that's the total... Uh, total um, coincidence that we're even talking about it. That's uh, interesting, Laura. Lisa, the Highsmith case blows my mind. Laura, Lisa was, uh, yes, amazing. Sheree, I can't believe it either. The mom was just trying to make it, trusted the wrong person and changed everyone's life forever. Laura says, maybe Phyllis Corbin. Uh, I think that Phyllis would just be too old, Laura. I mean, I'm not ruling it out, but we have to remember there is a memory type of component to this. This is why, you know, with Melissa Highsmith, she would she was how old? 18 months old. She had no recollection or anything. It'd just be a little tougher for uh, older kids to just accept that they're being taken away and given new names and they're living in a new place. And I think that, unless they're really, 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 really brainwashed, um, you know, eventually they'd just go looking for their original families all on their own. They wouldn't even need any DNA to start it. Um, the real few of us here have done a lot of this kind of DNA research ourselves. I know I'm not the only one. Sheree says, Mikhail Biggs, if one was really hopeful, once again, we can be hopeful, Sheree, but once again, it just seems like she'd be too old. If, uh, you know, to be as she was seemingly snatched off the streets in, in Arizona, that to be snatched and then be given a new name and she's just supposed to automatically accept it. She might do that for a while, but, you know, once she gets to be 15, 16, I think a lot of questions are going to start popping up. My impression. So fantastic story. We have so many bad stories on here. I thought I needed to include a good one. I'm going to cover, I'm going to read this story. This was sent to me by a friend of the show, D. I don't know if she's in here or not tonight. But, uh, Laura, yes, Melissa Hythmus' case was just on Vanished, and they had thought some other woman was Melissa. Oh, okay. Oh, so that's what they've originally covered. Oh, I had no idea. Okay. I thought you meant Rebecca Corium. All right. This is a story about corruption. This is something, like I said, that a listener D uh, sent me. And this is going to blow your mind, this story. Carter County Sheriff Chris Bryant 
issued a statement on November 9th admitting that a recording device was installed in the attorney room at the jail. Bryant claims that the device had been installed in the room since 2002 and that it was placed there by former Carter County Sheriff Harvey Buckhart, Burkhart, who just happens to be Bryant's ex-father-in-law and is also deceased. Bryant also admitted in his statement to tampering with a crime scene, saying that he removed the device and turned it over to the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. This action is a direct violation of law enforcement protocols, as that room should have been secured until proper authorities could fully examine the device. There are several aspects of Bryant's statement that appear to be false. First, Bryant claims he had no knowledge of the device until after my press release, this is an attorney talking, by the way, was issued on November 9th. However, this doesn't explain why the missing screw that exposed the camera lens was present at the time I notified the attorney general's office on November 3rd, but it had been replaced to conceal the lens when I inspected the, fix, inspected the fixture again on November 8th. Bryant or someone else with access to the attorney room obviously replaced that screw in order to conceal the camera, but left the recording device in place until it was, quote-unquote, discovered by Bryant on November 9th. Bryant's assertion that the device had been there for 20 years without his knowledge also seems strange since fluorescent tube bulbs like those used in the attorney room light fixture have an average life expectancy of 9 to 12 months. Are we supposed to believe that during the approximately 20 to 27 times that those bulbs would have been replaced in the last two decades, no one noticed the obvious recording device attached to the fixture? I also received a phone call yesterday afternoon from a woman claiming to be a former jail employee. This woman refused to give her name for fear of retaliation by Bryant, but she called from an unblocked local number. She stated that while working at the jail, she discovered the recording device in the light fixture and notified Bryant directly and was told not to tell anyone else about her discovery. Although we have been assured that OSBI, Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, is conducting a thorough investigation, I have yet to be con- contacted by anyone from that agency. If contacted, I will be happy to provide that phone number so that they can locate and interview this woman. I'm still holding out hope that an honest and comprehensive investigation will be conducted to reveal the full extent of this conspiracy. Now that is a crazy story. <laughs> I mean, these we got some stories tonight. We have a great story about this Melissa Highsmith being found after 51 years. We have kind of a good story of a guy going into the water and being found he didn't die. I'm sure there's people that are very happy with that. His family and friends happy that he survived. Although it does seem that he was probably had too much to drink and made some bad choices, but that's a great story. Uh, at least the conclusion of it. And then we have this one. It just doesn't seem possible, right? This is something that if you, all of you were just sitting around or maybe you're in some form like on Web Sleuths or some, some true crime form just talking about stuff, and one of you were to pres- propose an idea like what would happen if like the police uh, put a recording device in, uh, in an attorney where uh, a prisoner usually is and talking to his uh, lawyer, what would happen? Everybody would reject that. Everybody would say no police department would be stupid enough to do that. 
Yes, they'd want to. Of course, everybody wants to know what goes on behind closed doors. Police surely would want to say what the uh, the criminal is saying to his attorney. But we know all of that is hugely, hugely illegal. And we know there are usually severe consequences for that. So we all, we automatically think nobody would really do that. Yet it seems somebody did. And not only did this person do it, but the person got away with it for so long that this person retired and died <laughs> before the device was ever found. And then how is coincidence, what a coincidence it is that the guy who um, brings this forward is the former sheriff's ex-son-in-law. And then now it seems like this Bryant guy, he was also doing something uh, You know, he wasn't the guy who put it in there, but it does seem, at least according to this attorney, that Bryant knew it was there too and now is backtracking and saying he didn't know it, uh, you know, to cover his own butt. How does this happen? Um, I think there's a lot of things going on here. Uh, As I continue to say, I'm not pro-police. Uh, for Unfound, I'm not anti-police on Unfound, and even in my private life, I guess I'm just, I guess I'm just very realistic about human nature. If uh, you don't realize this already, and listening to Unfound for six years, I have a very, very poor attitude toward human nature. I think that. Uh, There's a reason that uh, we have to have laws and there's a reason we have to, uh, you know, have this idea of rights. If we didn't have all these things, it would just be a disaster. It really would. Uh, Or as uh, one of the the guys that founded the United States, uh, if everybody were angels, we wouldn't need any laws. Unfortunately, Uh, We as humans, in our human nature, we can be scoundrels when pushed. We can really, really be scoundrels when pushed. This is why laws exist. This is why we've come up with the idea of rights and and everything else. Because otherwise, we'd just be, you know, killing and pillaging all the time. That's my attitude toward human nature. And it's... And uh, that's really, uh, although I'm not the greatest Christian or anything, that's kind of how Christians view human, you know, we're all fallen and Jesus died for our sins and all of that stuff. That's where that's all anchored in. So with this, it surprises me on one hand, but it does kind of, on the other hand, go with human nature. Police want to solve crimes. You know how you solve crimes? By cheating. And I think... If we really wanted to get to the bottom of this, if we were to go back and see what was going on in that county back in 2000, 2001, 2002, we might quickly come to the reason why this former sheriff decided to do that. Pretty sure. I'm guessing this is not something that he and whoever else was in cahoots with him, or maybe nobody, what had to be somebody. This probably was a, a group effort. There was something that pushed them to do that. 
something that uh, their uh, their morality did not get in the way of it, and um, would really have to go back in what was it Carter County in Oklahoma? Really go back to that time and see. Um, and as I've also talked about, this is one of those reasons. Also, when I hear a story like this. And I keep bringing up the fact of all professions we've ever talked about on Unfound, police officers is the most common profession we talk about when we talk about disappearances occurring. Police officers being suspects, whether it's with uh, the murder of Tyler North or with Robin Abrams and suspicions that still exist in Hemphill County in Texas, on and on and on and on and on. But we have to remember that when we give too much respect to any particular organization, whether it's the police, the fire department, priests, the military, all it does is cause bad people to want to be a part of those those organizations because these people can suddenly get credibility without doing anything. It's it's um you know fake respect. And so this is why one of those things that I obey the law, although I haven't been pulled over in a while, anytime I have an interaction with a police officer, I'm always respectful and everything. But when we go too far, throw too much respect in, in all of these things, all it does is bad people then see that as a way for them to become part of that organization and continue their bad ways. Because they won't, then they think they won't be questioned. So I say we have to be cynical about everything. It's just who I am. But a horrible story. Would not have seen it had uh, a listener D uh, not sent it to me. Would not it? Um, but it is a horrible story, and I'm hoping that D, who I think she, I think she lives in Oklahoma, I'm hoping she continues to follow this story to let me know how this progresses because this. I mean, you talk about a disaster. I mean, every loss, every court case in the last 20 years is now going to have a big question mark in that county. You talk about a disaster. So um, Laura says, uh, okay, uh, Lisa said, no, no attorney-client privilege? I guess not. You just, it's just, this, you just can't even imagine this. It's just something you don't even think about. Um, but there it is. Uh, thank you, everything. Deborah says, you have that 100% right. It's just the way I think about me being a human. And I, when I talk about this, I recognize those flaws within myself as well. You know, I'm not some om- omnipotent being. Uh, I'm a human like the rest of you. But uh, we can be dastardly, as I've as I've stated before, that humans, uh, when it comes to us being in general animals, we are capable of some of the best things on earth. We help other animals. Um, we take dogs and cats in. We nurse animals back to health and. All, nothing that any other animal does anywhere on this earth. We do it. We want to save the dolphins. We want to save the whales. We protect animals and endangered species and all of these things. 
On the other hand, we are also the only animal that kills for fun. No other animal on earth kills for fun. All other animals kill to eat or to protect themselves. uh, Humans are the only ones that think about killing other animals or people just for the heck of it. Can't forget that. Deborah says humans are the coolest animals on the earth. I can't disagree. All right, let's get to this Friday's disappearance. The disappearance of Brandon Richard. It looks like Reichert, but is Richard. R-I-C-H-A-R-T, very French. He disappeared from Anoka, Minnesota. We're going back to Minnesota again. On November 5th of 2021. So this is the most recent disappearance Unfound has ever covered. So far, this disappearance happened just uh, a year and what, uh, 23 days ago. That's it. And the title of the episode is Unhappy Accident. And the guest is uh, Brandon's ex-girlfriend and mother of two of his children, Jenny Whiting. And she is not a suspect in his disappearance. But it's a curious set of facts, and you'll hear in a second why it's called Unhappy Accident. What happened was Brandon, like, like kind of like Jamie Valdez and Jace Martin, was going through some things. Um, and what had happened, he had this girlfriend. Her name was Gina. They were out one day. He's riding his bike. She's walking, and he gets hit by a car. An 18-year-old hits him. He's riding his bike, and it seems like it was this 18-year-old's fault. So on the spot, they made a deal that this kid would give Brandon a couple thousand dollars just to make this all go away. Kid didn't want his parents to find out about it, didn't want his insurance rates to go up. Brandon and Gina, his girlfriend, didn't have any money anyway. They were almost, they were kind of homeless, although Brandon was in this kind of this program, kind of a rehab program at the time. Brandon made arrangements to meet this uh, 18-year-old at a local McDonald's in Anoka, Minnesota. Brandon shows up there that day. They see him on video. And after that video, he is never seen again. Later, when this was all discovered, what Brandon had done, what the kid says was, yeah, I met Brandon. He got in my car, and I gave him a, dr- play, a drive to a ride to a place called Spring Lake Park, in which is... That's where Brandon grew up. He had went to school in the area. Very common area. Not a crazy story. The problem is later, it seems this 18-year-old changed his story. So that is the disappearance for this Friday. Uh, once again, Brandon Rishar, R-I-C-H-A-R-T, November 5th, 2021. From Anoka, Minnesota, A-N-O-K-A, Minnesota. And the title of the episode is Unhappy Accident. And Brandon's ex-girlfriend, mother of two of his children, Jenny Whiting, is the guest that did that interview last night. And it is a good one. So that's all I got. Like Cherie, Richard. Yeah, like Cherie, Cherie. That's right. So that's all I have for you tonight. Great live show. Um, Did a lot of personal talk. Tonight, uh, remembering my mother on the fourth anniversary of her death. Did a lot of unfound stuff, covered a lot of national news. That's all I got. Please give this video a thumbs up. 
If you're listening to this as a podcast, um, please give this podcast a very favorable review and keep your head on a swivel. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, making time. Consider joining this channel to support Unfound. Go over to Patreon, all of that. Charles, you take it easy, and all of you will hear me on Friday for the disappearance of Brandon Rashar. Good night, everyone. Thank you so much. Good night.